Hey everyone, this is Danielle Gervino, and I'm the New York-based life and style blogger behind DanielleGervino.com. With a few successful years of blogging under my belt and a background in marketing and design, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the industry and sharing my tips and tricks for growing your brand. We'll chat productivity and design, social media, brand partnerships, growth, and more. I'm dishing out my honest, unfiltered advice and exclusive actionable strategies for monetizing your influence. This is Blogging Unscripted. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting all things email marketing. I'm going to be answering questions such as, what's the best email platform to start with? When should I start my subscriber list? How do I attract subscribers to grow my list? And what type of content should I be pushing out? We're going to do all of that and then some. All of my examples today are going to relate back to my current email platform, which is Flowdesk. It might be a new platform for you. It's spelled F-L-O-D-E-S-K. I know that MailChimp and ConvertKit are typically what you hear most often, but I'm going to give you all the deets on what made me jump ship within five minutes after five years with MailChimp. So if you're interested in signing up for Flowdesk, you can visit bit.ly slash tryoutflowdesk, which is my referral code. What's really amazing about this code is that it gives you 50% off your Flowdesk membership for life. This isn't a one-month trial or a one-year membership. If you visit this link and sign up, your membership is literally cut in half. And no, this is not an ad, although it sure sounds like one, but I'm going to tell you why I just love this new platform and why I can't get enough. So more on that in a bit, but again, you can visit bit.ly slash tryoutflowdesk, and that's F-L-O-D-E-S-K to sign up for 50% off lifetime. Before we dive in today, I just want to take a quick second to thank you guys, my tribe, my community, my people for your continued support of Blogging Unscripted. In the midst of a really unprecedented time, I've had the privilege of chatting with so many of you over the past weeks who, with their newfound time during quarantine, have chosen to spend it catching up on Blogging Unscripted, re-listening to episodes, and I just love your drive and motivation and want you to know that you're taking steps in the right direction by taking the initiative to learn. So, Without further ado, let's get to it. I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that you're either in one of two boats when it comes to email marketing. Boat A are my bloggers who haven't yet started an email list and are feeling super overwhelmed with where the F to start. And boat B are my bloggers who have started an email list that's not really technically an email list because it's remained pretty inactive in the months that it's been sitting there since you signed up. There might be a handful of you guys who are straight up in the water and out of the boats who have some kind of system going on but feel like you're not really in control, i.e. drowning, see my reference there, and need some direction. So today we're going to take care of boat A, boat B, and the swimmers, and we're going to start from the very beginning. And before my seasoned bloggers who already have their email marketing platform set up, click skip forward, just wait, because I recently did a major thing when it comes to email marketing and it straight up changed my business in a matter of minutes. So I'm going to tell you that first and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. So for the five plus years that I've been blogging, I had been using MailChimp for my email marketing service provider. I would say that maybe about like three years ago when my subscriber list passed 
2,000 subscribers, I started paying monthly for my plan, which allowed me more subscribers and an unlimited number of monthly email sends. So in those five years that I had used MailChimp, I really felt like I had figured it out for the most part. It was very familiar to me. It was like log on, design it, send it. I had it down. I mean, there were roadblocks that I'd run into that were simply a capability issue with MailChimp and features that they didn't have. But overall, I had a really super organized system down and I was steadily gaining subscribers week after week for all three of my mailing lists. So fast forward to very recently, March 2020, I hired a designer slash developer to redo my website and branding, and one of the first things she asked me was, who do you use for your email platform? And so I told her MailChimp, and she said, of course we can run with that. I have a platform that I recommend. A lot of people don't know about it. I love it. And at first, I'll be really honest here, I I didn't really want to hear about it because me being set in my ways. I've been using MailChimp for so long. I'm super familiar with it. So I said to her, you know, I so appreciate your suggestion, but we're going to run with MailChimp. I know it like the back of my hand. I'm not ready to dive in and switch now. So fast forward again, very recently, I had an issue with releasing a welcome message to my new subscribers for my various lists. I was literally up until three in the freaking morning which if you know me, that is very late. And I couldn't figure it out. And I was so frustrated. I was pulling my hair out. And so I jumped on my phone. I texted Sarah, my designer, and I said, can you tell me the name of that email provider? I just want to do a little research. Probably nothing's going to come of it, but I just want to see it. So she tells me Flowdesk and I Google search Flowdesk. And within five seconds of viewing the website, no way I'm not ready to switch platforms turned into a, let me just look into this more. And within five minutes, I was exporting my MailChimp lists to import into Flowdesk and start fresh. So this is not normal behavior for me, mind you. I don't love change, especially when I really have something down. And I like my routines, but I was so floored by this platform that it was just a no-brainer to make the switch. So if you can't already tell, my recommendation is that if you haven't yet started your mailing list, start on Flowdesk. And if you're already using a platform like MailChimp or ConvertKit, jump ship straight up. So bit.ly slash tryout Flowdesk is going to give you 50% off your Flowdesk membership for life. It's going to bring your membership down to just $19 a month, which is pretty great compared to what the other platforms offer. And we'll do a pricing comparison in just a sec. So I want to jump into our strategy portion as we cover seven steps to mastering your email marketing strategy. So get your pen and paper, and we're going to start with step number one, which is choosing your ESP or your email marketing service provider. So I think the first step that we just naturally need to dive into here is Flowdesk, MailChimp, or ConvertKit. I know there are other programs out there like Constant Contact, MailerLite, but I think in the blogging community, we're really hearing about MailChimp and ConvertKit the most often. So we're just going to be covering those today. So I want to give you a quick comparison between the three so you can kind of get a feel for where to start and why I so highly recommend Flowdesk. So we're going to just run through a few quick bulleted pros and cons for each one, and we'll start with MailChimp. So for the pros, MailChimp is free to start with one audience up to 2,000 subscribers, so you don't have to pay 
any monthly fee up to 2000 with one audience. It has really thorough reporting that can be connected to Google Analytics. It has a powerful editor and it also has an app. Then we get to the cons of MailChimp, which is, first of all, this was probably my biggest problem, is that it has a high cost tiered pricing plan. And those prices increase based on the size of your audience. So for example, when my audience hit 2000, I started out with the basic $9.99 a month plan. I said, that's great. It's like getting two coffees. I can handle $9.99. But then as I hit 2,500, my plan went up. And as I hit 3,000, my plan went up. And next thing you know, I'm paying close to $50 a month for a platform that I liked but didn't love. Another con is that it doesn't have great forms for WordPress. It takes a lot of custom formatting if you want to make them look nice. There's no really easy way to just generate a form and pop it on your website. Um, Also, although the editor is powerful, it has really limited customization options unless you're really well-versed in code. And the last one, another one that I couldn't stand and I often designed my stuff in Photoshop and imported it because of this is that it had limited fonts, fonts that were just kind of boring and blah and whatever. So those are the pros and cons of MailChimp. MailChimp is free to use, like I said, with one audience up to 2,000 subscribers. So once you pass 2,000, your MailChimp subscription starts at $9.99 per month and it increases as you continue to gain subscribers. Moving on to ConvertKit. So some of the pros of ConvertKit, and I'll preface this with the fact that I have experience using MailChimp and Flowdesk. ConvertKit is the only one I do not, so I did a little bit of research on this. So number one pro is that it's also free to start with up to 500 subscribers. It has powerful automations. It integrates with almost every platform. That's kind of like why it's at the top of its game. It integrates with so many different apps and platforms and things like that. And another pro is that it has a simple and quick landing page creation. So in terms of the cons, there's no reporting available for the free version. And in my mind, that's a deal breaker right off the bat. You know, if I'm enticed to join something because it's free, I still want my analytics because those are really important to me as a blogger. So you don't get that with the free version. Another con is that it's a really advanced, robust platform. And so if you're a first time user, it might be a little overwhelming. It doesn't have a great selection of templates and it has few customization options. It also has tiered pricing like MailChimp, which I view as a con because it can increase really rapidly as you grow and it has limited reporting data. So ConvertKit is free to use up to 500 subscribers. And once you pass 500 subscribers, your ConvertKit subscription starts at $29.99 per month. And just like MailChimp, it increases as you continue to gain subscribers. So these are two major platforms with tiered pricing structures. And I don't know, there's something about that that makes me a little bothered because It's like, as I continue to grow my business, of course, you know, you need more storage and all that stuff. But, you know, I almost don't want to hit that next subscriber threshold because that means that I'm also going to hit the next payment threshold. So for me, those are two like major, major cons of MailChimp and ConvertKit. 
So moving on to Flowdesk, the big pro is that it is unlimited everything with the same monthly rate. So unlimited audiences, unlimited sends, you don't have restrictions. It has the most beautifully designed email templates that allow for tons of customizations. It has a drag and drop interface, which when I saw, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So much different than MailChimp. And that really contributes to the ease of use. In Flowdesk, you have the ability to add custom branding like logo and colors for really quick access. And it also has built-in font coding, which allows for a really wonderfully wide selection of custom fonts, which are responsive on all devices. Setting up workflows and forms, which we'll talk about later, is seamless. And it also has regular site updates based on user feedback. Flowdesk is run by two women, which I think is so awesome. And I guess maybe this might be considered a con. It is still in beta, although I've never had any issues or kinks thus far. But because it's still in beta, the founders and creators are constantly making updates based on feedback. So into the cons, it does have some limited editing within the actual templates. Now, this isn't the stuff that you drag and drop and design on your own. This is the beautiful pre-made templates that are there. Sometimes, for example, I might want to move the text box up or down or change the width. And in the actual template, you can't do that. But this is such a little tiny con for me because they're so beautiful to begin with. Um, another con is that it doesn't have an image library. So this might be one of the reasons why you're not paying tiered pricing because they're not really storing anything. I can see them maybe coming out with this later on, but if there are things that you're constantly wanting to drop in your emails, you have to kind of get creative with reusing past templates rather than having an image library to pick and choose from and drop in. Again, another really little thing. Another con which I was a little bit wary of when I first joined, but it has actually been so much better for me, is that it doesn't have the ability to include options. And here's what I mean. When I had my one MailChimp audience, I was able to include in my subscriber signup three little checkboxes that allowed my prospective subscribers to subscribe to either my BFF list, my blogging tips list, or my presets list. In Flowdesk, you don't have options within one list and instead you have separate lists. So for me, it was really just a matter of getting used to it. And let me tell you, I get used to it very quick, but it's something that some people might see as a negative. And then the only other thing I'll tell you is that there's no free option. And I think when you look at the comparison and the tiered pricing, it's really, again, another thing that doesn't really add up to being a con. So Flowdesk starts at $19 a month with a link bit.ly slash try out Flowdesk. And it has an unlimited number of audiences, subscribers, sends. If you don't plan to grow your account over time, I recommend starting with either MailChimp or ConvertKit. However, I think most of you are planning it to continue to grow your businesses, right? So I think starting here is just a no-brainer. So since jumping ship and switching to Flowdesk, here's why I love it. Their email templates are stunning, stunning enough that 
90% of the work that I previously put into MailChimp email is already done for me. I don't have to worry about branding. I don't have to worry about making sure my emails look good and doing them in Photoshop and importing them. It's already done. And sure, there are little things here and there with their templates that I might want to resize or move, but that desire really goes out the window when you step back and look at your email as a whole and how professionally done it looks. Creating tags and segments and categorizing subscribers is something that was a learning process for me when I first started on MailChimp. Had I started on Flowdesk, I would have clearly understood all of these things from day one. It simplifies the processes in a really organized way that makes it easy for beginners and seamless for those who are more familiar with email marketing. I have my BFF subscribers, my presets by Danielle subscribers, and my blogger subscribers, and I can easily create forms and pop-ups for them to subscribe based on where they're browsing on my blog which I also love. Overall, I think the interface is just more me and I truly, truly think that you'll love it too. Also, it's probably important that I should mention that the second that I switched to Flowdesk and started activating my forms, not only did my subscribers come in at a much faster rate that they did on MailChimp, but my open rate of my emails almost doubled. And I accredit that to the new platform. So that's enough about Flowdesk for now. We're going to move on. Now that you've got your platform and you have an informed decision, we're going to move on to step two, which is defining your why. So we're going to talk about why you start an email list. So number one, you might start it as a channel for direct connection with your readers. Number two, you might start it to connect with your readers in a tight-knit environment, kind of like a DM convo. It's just a more intimate setting. Number three, it's yours. So there's sometimes some uncertainty around social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. I know it's a long shot, but 10, 20 years down the road, you know, what happens if they're gone or if somebody owns it, that's not us. Uh, your email list is yours. Number four, email lists help you understand your readers on a deeper level and can really lead to great conversions and sales. And number five, for this reason also, kind of piggybacking off of number four, it allows for more control over your blog's income, whether that's affiliate links or course or webinar sales, whatever you're trying to drive with your emails. So it's important to think about why you might want to start an email list for your readers that goes past just simply sharing new blog posts. In fact, my new posts are actually rarely the focal point of my emails unless they're directly related to a topic that I'm sharing about. Instead, I'm focusing on topics to better serve each of my audience's needs while still weaving in that clickable content throughout. So I'm going to run through examples with each of my lists. So for example, my BFF subscribers have joined my list to be a part of a community and to feel more of that one-on-one -on -one best friend type connection via email. I serve my audience by sharing personal stories or struggles, life hacks, sales I'm shopping, basically anything that I'd share with a friend. My blogger subscribers, probably some of you, have joined my list to learn to grow their brands. And I serve that audience by sharing tips and tricks, strategies, inside insight, and communicating about new 
blogging unscripted episodes. And then we have my third audience, which is my presets by Danielle subscribers, and they've joined my preset list for exclusive discounts and some photo editing tips weaved in between. I serve that audience by creating exclusive subscriber-only discounts on products weaved in with helpful information about photography, editing, and aesthetic. And I could literally rattle off any of those elevator pitches in the snap of a finger to anyone who asked. So I have a little homework for you. And I promise this is going to help you refine your strategy. So grab a pen or paper, open up your notes app on your phone and finish the following two sentences. Number one, my subscribers have joined my list for insert purpose here. Number two, I plan to serve that audience by insert content that relates to that purpose here. So if you can successfully finish those two sentences, then you've completed your first step in email marketing strategy by defining your why. Megan from our Facebook group asked, at what point do you start sending emails? Is it based on page views? The thing is, Lots of bloggers jump into email marketing because they feel like it has to be this integral part of their brand. And so they build a sign up form, they make a pretty template, pop it up on the blog, they might send an email or two every so often, or on the contrary, they might be sending out weekly emails, but they're doing it blindly with no idea who their subscribers are or why they're there. And what that leads to is low engagement and open rates and subscriber drop-off. And it's so very much similar to ghost followers on Instagram who bring down your engagement by just being a number on your account. Your email subscribers do the same when there's no purpose behind your email list. So the answer to Megan's question essentially is that you're starting to send emails when you can successfully finish those two sentences above and when you're able to brainstorm content that's going to further educate, inspire, entertain, or connect them in a more exclusive setting beyond the content that you're churning out on your blog or your social channels. There isn't a minimum. There aren't rules. You can start building your tribe whenever you feel that you're ready to contribute that valuable content. It's also really important to remember that not everyone needs an email list. Of course, you're here because you think you do, but ask yourself, what is my strategy behind creating a list? You have to be able to answer that and also ask yourself, is this going to benefit me and how? All right, let's jump to number three, which is define your strategy. So my strategy behind my BFF list is to build connection, drive affiliate sales, and blog traffic. My strategy behind my blogger list is to build community, drive product sales, and podcast traffic. And my strategy behind my presets, Danielle, is to drive product sales solely. Three really simple but very clear objectives. So you've chosen your provider, you've set up your designs and templates, and you've defined your objective, and you've committed to creating valuable content. Now comes the hard part, building your list. Companies with hundreds and thousands, think like Refinery29 or even like fashion brands like Madewell or Free People, hundreds of thousands of subscribers started with zero. I'll give you a few stats here. In my first year of starting my blog, I had 127 subscribers. By the end of year two, I had 516. And by the end of year three, I had 1,086. 
By the end of year four, I had 3,126. Get the point? So just like I preach when it comes to Instagram, don't worry about the numbers. They're there, yes, of course, and they're a thing, yes, but shift your focus on the people who are already there. If you have five email subscribers, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to spend two hours a week writing emails for your five-person list, but what I will tell you is that every time you send an email to that list, you better be prioritizing those people because those 5, 10, 100, 500, whatever number that may be, those are your people. They're there for a reason. Sometimes because of a freebie, but hey, you got them there and they're there. But it's your job to continue to serve them content that's going to keep them there. So that leads us into step four, which is build your list through lead magnets, opt-ins, and teaser content. So the most popular and talked about way to start building subscribers is to create a lead magnet or an opt-in freebie for your audience. So for example, subscribe to my list and gain access to my exclusive foolproof pitch template. I'm going to give you 20 different ideas for type of opt-in freebies. Number one, an audio transcript or a file. Number two, access to an exclusive Facebook group. Number three, behind the scenes content. Number four, a checklist. Number five, a free challenge. Number six, a mini course or full course, whatever you're in the mood for. Number seven, a free consultation. Number eight, access to a resource library. Number nine, a webinar or a workshop. Number 10, a step-by-step or a how-to doc. Number 11, a template. Number 12, a PDF guide. Number 13, an email course. Number 14, a discount. Number 15, an ebook. Number 16, a roundup of resources. Number 17, some sort of bundle of things. Number 18, a video tutorial. Number 19, a free review or coaching call. And number 20, a product. So I actually reached out to my blogging community tonight and asked them for some last minute real life examples of opt-in freebies that they provide to their audience based on their niche. And this might be helpful too. So these are some real life examples. So Ashley, who's a health and wellness blogger, has a bundle style opt-in titled five tips to a healthier you, which links to full page articles on her blog. Hillary, who's an interior design and DIY blogger, has a guide style opt-in titled My Top 7 Tips for Interior Photography Revealed. Allison, who's a fashion blogger, has an ebook style opt-in titled Your Essential Guide to Staples for Every Season. Brittany, who's a lifestyle blogger, has a product style opt-in, which is a Lightroom preset, and she has another template style opt-in, which is a daily planner. Austin, who caters to freelancers, bloggers, and small business owners, has a checklist-style opt-in, which is an SEO tip sheet. And Angela, who's a fashion blogger, has a PDF guide-style opt-in, which is a 22-page downloadable guide to building your wardrobe. And lastly, Miriam, who covers elegant living and styling, also has a PDF guide-style opt-in in the form of a capsule wardrobe guide. So I think those are some really great diverse examples of how different 
bloggers in different niches use their opt-in freebies. So once you've created your opt-in freebie, it's really important to promote it in the right places. With Flowdesk, you can design what are called forms, and forms either act as a pop-up on your website, they appear in line on a page, or they stand alone as their own full page, and they simply just allow people to sign up and subscribe to your lists. So you can enable pop-ups to trigger after a certain amount of time every time someone is visiting your blog if you're focusing on one list or if you're focusing on gaining subscribers for a few different lists, you can strategically place your signups, your forms on popular pages throughout your blog. So for example, having a lifestyle blog placing a pop-up that's designed for my blogger subscribers only on the blog that triggers when anyone visits my website, that's not going to attract the right people. So instead, I might create an inline form that maybe would appear on all of my blog posts tagged blogging tips. Or I might do some extra research on Google Analytics and Pinterest and see which one of my blogging focused blog posts are performing best. And I might strategically place a form on that specific post that's generating high traffic. So you have to kind of think like a reader as you design your opt-in content in terms of where would you want to be on your blog that you'd want to see that freebie and what type of freebie would entice you to subscribe for that download. Don't forget your main menu either. Make sure to include a really easily navigable subscriber bar on your menu where your readers can quickly explore your full page subscribe options for one or all of your lists. So other than freebies, another way that people can bring in subscribers is by teasing your readers or followers with teaser type content. So think back to kind of how you plan to serve your audience. If you've really taken the time to brainstorm and your newsletter content falls into those critical categories of inspiring, educating, entertaining, or connecting with your audience, giving them just a little snippet of something that they'll presumably want to know more about is going to lure them in. So a real-time example of teaser type content that performed really well for me was, I think this was last year, when I did something through a Google form where I anonymously polled a huge amount of bloggers on their past campaigns, what they got paid, how they pitched, what the deliverables were, and each week I delivered a series called Just Got Paid. So other bloggers can kind of see how they measured up to, you know, if someone in the same follower count as me, what are they being paid? What kind of things are they working on? And it was a really great selling point in my Facebook communities on Instagram because people wanted to see those numbers. So if you want to see those numbers, which I'm sure some of you are curious, if you missed our Just Got Paid series, you can go to the archive by visiting bit.ly slash Just Got Paid series. Let's round off step four with just a few quick tips for securing a subscriber, just kind of like best practices. So number one, make it as easy as possible to enter an email address. So for example, just name, email, keep the form clean. P.S. Flowdesk provides all of this for you. You don't have to worry about designing it or code or anything. The one thing I love about Flowdesk are their forms. They're so simple, clean, user-friendly. Number two, Minimize the clicks that it takes to subscribe. 
one of the things that drove me crazy about MailChimp is that they had a subscribe where you entered your name and your email, then they had a captcha, then they had another email where you had to confirm that you actually wanted to be added to the list. And at that point, I would be like, screw it, I'm not getting on the freaking list. That, that drove me crazy. So make sure that it's easy. Number three, engage your new subscribers with a thank you page. Flowdesk allows for two options after signups. You can either do just like a simple confirmation, thanks for subscribing, or you can link to a new page or file. So that's also a great place to put your freebie. And last best practice here is actively invite your subscribers through social networks. This goes back to that marketing rule of it takes a consumer, I think something like seven times seeing something before they purchase it. Think of this in the same way. Put your list in front of your social media followers time and time and time again. And if you're enticing them with enough good teaser content, eventually they're going to commit. So moving on to step five, design a welcome email. So what is a welcome email? A welcome email is it's just simply a follow-up email once a new subscriber joins your list that welcomes them to your community, your tribe, your family, whatever you want to call it, and it introduces yourself and what you do. You never want to hand over an opt-in freebie to your subscribers and then disappear. So a welcome email not only helps your new subscriber feel a bit more connected as they learn about you behind the scenes, but it also allows for you to guide them to some of your most popular content kind of encouraging them to give a look around. In Flowdesk, these are called workflows. So I personally have three separate workflow sequences set to trigger when a subscriber is added to one of my three lists. So Flowdesk sends out an automatic welcome email catered to that specific audience. And each of my three workflows look totally different. For example, my blogger workflow includes a short welcome message, a free PDF checklist, a quick links to some of my most popular content, as it relates to blogging and our four most popular podcast episodes. While my BFF workflow, on the other hand, includes my mission behind BFFs. It includes some quick links to some of my most popular content as it relates to lifestyle, six top sellers titled your 2020 favorites. People love to see those. And then two of my most popular blog posts of the current quarter. The goal of a workflow or a welcome message is for it to remain evergreen for the most part. And if not evergreen, it should contain content that rarely requires an update. You want to minimize the work that you have to do here on the back end. So for example, next quarter, it may want to swap out my popular blog posts, but I won't have to do that for at least a few months, say four times a year. Keep in mind here also not to overwhelm your new subscriber. Let them get to know you while providing some valuable pathways for them to freely explore. Don't overload them. Another strategy that some bloggers choose to employ also is a welcome sequence. So a welcome sequence acts very similar to a welcome email, but the only major difference is that you're setting up a series of three to five emails over the next few weeks to keep your subscribers engaged as opposed to just one welcome email. So the sequence could follow a chronological series where each email leads into the next, or it can simply incorporate five major pieces of content that you want to share with your subscribers while they're still fresh. 
And once you've set up your welcome email or your welcome sequence, it's time to set up a schedule and keep content flowing. So that's going to be step six. I'm going to be real honest here. I do not practice what I'm about to preach. Ironic, yes, but in the spirit of good practice, I'm going to preach it to you anyway. And that, friends, is a schedule. So schedules create consistency and consistency creates loyalty. Consistency, consistency, consistency. You hear me say it all the time. It is so key. And it's something that I very, very much employ in just about every aspect of my work, except the podcast and my emails. I'm working on it. But especially in the beginning, it's going to be important for both you and your subscribers to set an email schedule. My best piece of advice here is don't bite off more than you can chew. I think that the collective thought when starting an email list is a weekly send. And if you don't have a lot of other aspects of your business that you're juggling, this can be very doable. But my suggestion is to limit your email content to bi-monthly or even just once a month. And this is outside of your welcome sequence. Now, I'm speaking really generally here. For your business, once a week, two times a week may be the best option for you. But in general, talking to like my lifestyle bloggers, start small. You can always start more frequent sends down the road, but spreading out your sends in the beginning is going to allow you to focus more on your content. Which brings us to probably one of our most asked questions, which is, what do I write in my emails? So I'm going to let you in on kind of an amazing secret. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Almost all of the emails that I'm sending out to my subscribers, I'm creating them as new content, but I'm piggybacking off of a piece of content that's already been created. So for example, for my blogger subscribers, I might pull five tips from a recent podcast episode with the goal of converting listens. And I might outline those tips in an email style format. For my BFF subscribers, I might pull five new beauty finds from the Sephora sale that I'm obsessing over with the goal of converting affiliate sales and driving blog traffic to my sale posts. So it's content that I've already created, but it's still fresh and new, and it's not just a blanket repeat. So think short, sweet, list-style emails. People aren't coming to your newsletter to read a blog post-style email. They want the quick rundown, the headlines, the highlights. A piece of email content can be as simple as piggybacking off of something that you shared on Instagram stories, a current sale happening, or a recent piece of content that you published. I recently shared a full makeup tutorial on Instagram stories, so I might blast an email to my BFF subscribers with makeup order of application tips, something like that. Alternatively, my friend Lindsay and I have been hosting Instagram lives with our blogging audience every Thursday night to chat about all different aspects of blogging. So I might blast an email to my blogger subscribers with the five most asked questions and answers from our blogging live series. It can be in the moment, it can be on the fly. And I think that email content is one of those rare aspects of this business that doesn't necessarily, and I say that with a big bold and underline necessarily, doesn't necessarily need to be planned. 
On the other hand, you might be collecting a group of subscribers with the main goal of selling a course or a product or a webinar. And in that case, you can sit down with your calendar and carefully plan out a series of serve, 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 sell emails. The goal here is to serve your audience with valuable content after valuable content, let them engage with your emails, trust in your opinion, and after you've provided that value, you can introduce yourself, be it a course, a webinar, a product, etc. And that brings us to step seven, which is our last step, rinse and repeat. This is a really, it's like a pretty quick self-explanatory one. And what I simply mean here by rinse and repeat is to keep testing, tweaking, sending emails and enhancing your content. So test your email titles and see which ones are most opened. Look at your click analytics and see what types of posts or products people are most interested in. Take a look at your pop-ups and see which ones are generating the most opt-ins. Ask your audience through interactive polls on outside social media channels or even quick surveys that can be accessed through your emails. It's going to take time to get your systems in place, but once you do, the rinse and repeat is actually the fun part because it's when you get to really get those creative juices flowing after all of your foundational tools are in place. So we're going to wrap here with our Q&A. We have some great questions. It's going to be a short one today. I think we only have three or four. Remember that if you have questions for upcoming episodes, the best way for me to keep track is in our Facebook group. I'll usually post a topic thread a week or so before recording an episode and make sure that I either weave it into the episode or answer them as a part of our Q&A. So if you are new here, First of all, thanks for being here. I'm so happy to have you. Uh, if you have not yet joined our Facebook group, we are an incredible community growing by the day and you can join at bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. So first question is from Carolyn and she asks, when's the best day of the week to send email recaps? So according to lots of marketing studies, the best day to send emails is Tuesday followed by Thursday followed by Wednesday. I'm actually going to provide a resource for you guys with the best days and times to send. And I will drop that as always where I drop resources, which will be in the episode thread for episode 15 in our Facebook group. Next question, Sierra asks, do we need to be sending emails every time we post a new blog or is it more of a check-in? I'm sure it's subjective. So Sierra, you're definitely right on the point that it's subjective. This totally depends on your audience. I personally prefer to structure most of my emails around new blog posts, but in a way that doesn't simply mirror the content that they'd be reading on the blog. I think it's really important to keep that exclusivity factor in mind with a mailing list. You should always be delivering just a little extra to your subscribers that your blog readers aren't necessarily getting. Next question, L asks, how to keep growing an email list. I already have a freebie for opt-ins and that helped boost it initially, but now I'm just stalled. So first and foremost, create a welcome sequence. This is a great way to keep subscribers engaged after that first initial welcome boost. From there, you can move on to the strategy that we mentioned above about teasing your content to your general audience. Give them a reason to want to come and join your email community. So tease an email going out or a discussion topic that you'll be covering, or even tease the title of your email with a sign up here for the full story type of prompt. 
Last question is from Diana who asked, what's a typical email sequence for new subscribers and then current subscribers? This is a great question. This looks very, very different across the board, but this is a generic baseline that I'll give you that you can start with. So email number one can be your freebie delivery. So you signed up for the freebie, here it is. Email number two can be a little bit more in depth and it can be an introduction email. So the person who just signed up for your list likely found you through either a blog post or they found you on Instagram. And so it's a great way to kind of get that intro out of the way and let them get to know you a bit more. Email three in a welcome sequence can be your kind of credibility builder emails. So like I just mentioned, if someone's signing up, they likely just recently discovered you. So show them your best work in the form of your best, most highly trafficked posts or tips or content. And email number four can be a value add email. Diana also asked, what's a typical email sequence for current subscribers? And unless you're selling something like a course, a product, a webinar, your current subscriber content is going to look less like a sequence and more just like content-based emails. Guys, it has been so long since I've delivered you a podcast episode, and I am so very sorry for that, but I will tell you, my voice is tired. We're going to wrap here for today's episode. If you still have questions, as always, let me know by shooting me a DM on Instagram at Danielle Gervino, or you can post your question to our running Q&A thread in the Blogging Unscripted Facebook group. And one more time, if you're about to exit out of this email and check out Flowdesk, which I highly recommend, so amazed with what that little platform can do and what it has done for me in the short time that I've been using it. So you could visit bit.ly slash try out Flowdesk, and that's going to give you 50% off indefinitely. If you have not already, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And of course, you better be coming to say hi as well. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Danielle Gervino and at Blogging Unscripted and I will see you guys for our next episode. Chat soon.